Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Last weekend, soccer fans had the pleasure of watching the Bundesliga and the Premier League return to action, and that trend of leagues coming back does not stop there. This upcoming weekend, we have La Liga returning to action, as well as a couple other leagues throughout the world, and particularly in Europe. So today, we have the pleasure of being joined by ESPN's Mark Donaldson to break down what La Liga could hold this season as Barcelona looks to build on what they were able to do last season, bringing on all those new transfers, and Real Madrid, obviously the previous La Liga champions and the UEFA Champions League winners from a season ago. So Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing well, Mark, and I just mentioned it. This is a La Liga season where you have a Barcelona team that they finish the season on a pretty strong note, and it's a Real Madrid team that finish on an even stronger note. So what are you looking forward to most about this upcoming uh, La Liga year? I'm finding out where Barcelona's getting all this money from. <laughs> I think I think Real Madrid are as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue, isn't there, about this? Real Madrid, quite rightly, favourites um, to win another um, championship. First time that uh, they'll have done it back-to-back for 16, 17 years, I think. So that is uh, certainly a narrative. Barcelona with the new faces, um, the attack, frightening. Lewandowski. In La Liga, can't wait to see that. Atleti, which Atleti is going to show up? Is it the the champion-style team of a couple of seasons ago, or is it the one that you just couldn't predict last season? And and who, not so much is going to be best of the rest, but is there another team, whether it's Sevilla or Valencia or Villarreal or any of the others, that can make a play, make a challenge, take points off the, the bigger boys and, and potentially... Um, challenge them all the way. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of kind of narratives going into this season, but that's what you would expect ahead of the the first game between uh, Osasuna and Sevilla on Friday. Well, let's start at the top of the table from a season ago. Real Madrid, you just mentioned La Liga champions, and they don't have really too many areas to go up from. I guess you could say, hey, they didn't win the treble, they didn't win the Copa del Rey, like. I, I sure they I guess in that regard they failed, but they all they still won their domestic league, won the Champions League. They didn't make too many major changes this offseason. I think it's hard to replace or I mean build on the successes of Kareem Benzema and Vinicius Jr. from a season ago. What do you kind of make out for their outlook for this season? Do you see the same kind of successes or 
Could this kind of reliance on relatively older players, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, for example, could that maybe catch up to them, or is it still going to be Real Madrid dominance in Spain? Well, I think if we look at the the squad compared to, to last season, I think it's better than it was last season. Bale was an afterthought. He's gone. Isco has been released, as has Marcelo. They obviously felt that they could do without them. Uh, and, and Luka Jovic has gone to, to Fiorentina. So they've brought in Chouameni from Monaco, spent £80 million to get him, and Antonio Rudiger, who certainly strengthens the defence. So right off the bat, I think they're stronger than they were last season. And when you look at the table from last season and you see pretty much how comfortably they won it, I think it's just little tweaks, little subtle tweaks that Ancelotti is, is looking to improve upon next season as far as the league is concerned. We remember the Clasico, that, that Barcelona won comfortably. Um, that was an off day, as it showed. That, that wasn't something that, that Real Madrid took that form going forward. They they had a bad day at the office and, and they picked up again and, and they won comfortably. They won the Champions League. So it's very difficult to improve on a near-perfect season. But Ancelotti is a perfectionist. And I think with the new arrivals that he's made, um, just one or two players to, to kind of fine-tune their deserved favourites. On one side of Spain, you have Real Madrid making those small tweaks, as you mentioned. And other side of Spain, the other biggest team in that in the league is Barcelona. And it couldn't be farther from that. It seems like everything is being shaken up. They're bringing in, I couldn't even count on two hands, how many major names they tried to bring on. And there's a lot of question marks that obviously still remain in regards to whether or not they can actually register these players. But let's play a little hypothetical game here. Let's say they somehow managed to wriggle around the system, managed to sign all these players and actually register them for the upcoming season. Is there any possibility that bringing on all these new names, all these major changes of from top to bottom, could that actually be a little too much, especially for a manager like Xavi, who is only entering his first full season in Barcelona? It seems like last season they were kind of building towards success, and now the the aura around Barcelona is very much win now. Do you kind of pick up on that as well? To an extent, yeah, there's always a danger of the, the win-now approach. Um, having commentated on Serie A for a few seasons, Juventus tried that by bringing in Ronaldo, and that was a Champions League signing that, that didn't work. Um, for Barcelona, it wasn't good enough last year, so they couldn't do nothing. And what they've done is improved their squad. Let's put to one side, I'm sure we'll discuss the whole financial implications of what's going on, where the money's coming from. But the bottom line is, the players that have arrived are super players to get Jules Koundé and I was convinced I mean Chelsea have been linked with Jules Koundé not just this transfer window but the last three or four transfer windows every time we did Sevilla it was a case of discussing Koundé's future when we did them on ESPN plus is he going to stay probably not so he's probably going to go to Chelsea then Barca come in late on end of July and gazump Chelsea 50 million for him 10 days before that they got Lewandowski they added Rafinha as well They've got a lot of talent middle to front. Now they have strength and depth. And you could easily play someone for an hour and then bring on a replacement that wouldn't weaken the side for the last half hour and keep everybody fresh. Front Kessier on a free from Milan and Andreas Christensen from Chelsea on a free as well. Those were signings that were done pretty early in the season. You look at the players that have gone out, there's no one really that was a kind of regular weekend, week out that they're probably going to miss. Coutinho was on loan at Villa. That's just been made permanent. Danny Alves, it was a nice story while he was there, but he's been released. Clement Longley going to Spurs on loan, and then a host of others that were kind of fringe players at the football club. So I, I think they have improved their squad 
as well. Uh, I think they'll score plenty goals. Can they keep them out? I think they'll be fine defensively. He just wants them to be more solid, Xavi, now. And I think Barcelona will be. And I like the additions they've made. And I cannot wait to see what Lewandowski does in, in La Liga. I think he'll tear it up. It should be an exciting thing, should Robert Lewandowski feature, but as I mentioned, that there's still some question marks regarding whether or not he will be able to register with Barcelona. And you kind of talk about, for those that are unaware, Barcelona's issues. They, they are, uh, Their debt is well-documented, $1.5 billion, etc., from a season ago, and they're kind of building back from that. But trying to get all these new players in, they have to hit a certain requirement. They're trying to sell players like Frankie de Jong. They're, they're selling their media rights revenue over the next 10 years for $250 million of profit just to just to bring on these new players. Can you kind of touch on anything that people may have missed about Barcelona's financial struggles over the past, not just year or so, but in regards to this window, but pretty much everything in regards to their issues? Let's not go back a year. Let's not go back a month. Let's not go back a week. Let's not even go back 24 hours. We've had two big stories that have come out from Spanish radio today. We record this on Monday the 8th of August. Spanish radio is claiming that Barcelona jointly set up a holdings company to which it paid 150 million euros of its own money to buy its own assets, basically to inflate the the value of the sale, La Liga rejected it as it was not new money and Barca, according to Spanish radio, must now pay 37.5 million euros in tax on this payment. So you think, come on, what's going on here? And then another one from David Ornstein today at The Athletic. Barcelona told Frankie de Jong on July 15th that they have evidence of criminally around contract given by old, sorry, criminality around contracts given by the old board and cause for legal action versus all involved. Barca have been asked and they've asked him, Frankie de Jong, to annul the deal and revert to previous terms. This is becoming a circus. This isn't becoming, oh, there was a story last week. This is becoming, what's today's story about Barcelona? You brought up the, the whole registration of the players. That was Sunday's news. That's old news now until something happens with that. So what happens tomorrow? They obviously have a plan. They have a plan that they feel can get players signed, can get players registered, but it's not bad. When you can gazump a team like Chelsea who are spending big bucks, I mean, initially it was it was Cucurella who was going to cost them 50, then he was 52 and a half, and now it's 62 all in that Chelsea were prepared to pay. They're like, they're splashing the cash. They're like someone who, who buys a gift for their partner at a, a gas station for their birthday because they've forgotten about it, so they buy everything in the place last minute. That's what Chelsea are like. Yet they still couldn't find any way to, to get Jules Koundé to arrive at Stamford Bridge. And he's gone to Barcelona for 50 million from Sevilla. So, yeah, it depends what, what how you want to look at this. If you're a Real Madrid fan, you're saying, wait a minute here, how is Barcelona doing all this? What How are they getting around all this? If you're a Barcelona fan, it's like anything. I mean, when hypocrisy comes into it, whether you're a Newcastle United fan and you, you turn a blind eye to the Saudi money or whether you're a fan of another club that gets their money from places you're not sure. If you're a Barca fan, you're like, hey, we don't care. If we get Lewandowski and Koundé and Rafinha and others, then it's great. If you're a Real Madrid fan and every other supporter of every club in Spain, you're like, hold on a minute here. What's going on? So for Barcelona, uh, I hate to touch on them, but I am a, a fan of Barcelona. It's frustrating it's been over the last yeah, five years or so. 
for Barcelona, what do you consider a successful season, bringing on all these new players and spending all this cash? What What is the benchmark for them in terms of, hey, that was a good season versus what could be a, a quote-unquote disaster by their standards? A good season is a 27th La Liga title because it means that Real Madrid are not getting another title. A good season is beating Real Madrid to everything that they're involved in, doing better in the Champions League than them, doing better in the Copa del Rey, than them. That is a success for Barcelona. Question would be, if you offered Barca the title right now, but Real Madrid another Champions League, would Barca take it? I think they would. I think they would, because when you've got bragging rights, you, we're all football fans. My team Hearts played Hibs yesterday. We conceded a last-minute goal, so that we it, it finished 1-1. We were 1-0 up. So they kind of feel they've got the bragging rights they scored in the last minute. No matter who you support, you'll always find a way of, of changing the narrative to suit you. So if I'm a Barcelona fan and I've won the league, but Real Madrid has won the Champions League, I'm like, yeah, but Champions League, anything can happen. Luck of the draw. La Liga, it's the best team over the course of a season. We've got season, or we've got title number 27. That's if I'm a Barcelona fan. If I'm a Real Madrid fan, I'm saying, look, that's another Champions League. We've got another patch that we can add to our side of our, our strip with another Champions League title on it. That's far bigger than La Liga. So you can see, no matter who you are or, or whichever team you support, you can always find a way to, to kind of alter the narrative to suit yourself. And I think if Barcelona fans were offered La Liga title right now, it would mean they're better than Real Madrid over the course of a season, even if it meant another Champions League for Real Madrid. Mark, let's step away from that, that duel of teams at the top, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Let's look at the other teams that may not get as much recognition in Spain. I mean, Atletico Madrid's kind of that in-between team. They're, you know, they put them in the same conversation as Barcelona and Real Madrid, but at the same time, you could put them with, you know, like Sevilla, Real, Valencia, Athletic Club, you know, Sevilla, those likes. But let's start with Atletico. Uh, last season, finished uh, third in the league. It was... Up and down season, I think, is the best way to put it. They had some successes, some not so successes. Uh, again, in the knockout stage of the Champions League, so the Atletico Madrid's always kind of like a team like they could win the title. And you already talked about it. what Atletico Madrid are we going to get this season? So your prediction: What Atletico Madrid will we get this season? <laughs> I've got no idea because no <laughs> one has. That's the bottom line. Last season, we didn't know what we we're going to get from Atletico Madrid. Um, I've got their game against Hitafi uh, coming up on Monday. Now, last time that those sides met, I also commentated on Atletico Madrid against Hitafi, but this time it was at the Metropolitano. It was on the 12th of February. They went 2 0 up on the back of having lost 4 2 at Barcelona. This is when they were going through a spell four, five, six, seven goals per game. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying as a neutral this Atleti rather than the, the whole 1-0 kind of once they score, they shut up shop. They do it very well, which was, it was kind of the badge of honour for Diego Simeone. So they went 2-0 up against Hitafi back in February. Within 12 minutes, they were 3-2 down. And you're thinking, what? How can a team that, so far, that won the title the previous season be so bad defensively and it was a couple of penalties that Unal scored on the back of Borja Mayer Al's goal. So Hitafi were 3-2 up. And then Atleti were in bits, but Correa equalised just before half-time. So it was 3-all in a manic first half. You didn't know what to expect in the second half. We've just had six goals. Then we went 43 minutes without another goal until Hermoso 
scored the winner. Now, he was only on the park because Felipe had been sent off in the 58th minute. So the big centre-back came on to replace the other big centre-back, and he was the one that scored late on. So you're thinking, this is the Atleti that we love. Not so much the one that we knew, but this is great. And then the next time, four days later, they were at home to Levante, another game we did on ESPN+, and they lost by a goal to nil. And then they won 3-0 at Osasuna, when I think that was the game that Luis Suarez scored from, from distance. So there's a little kind of a small um, part of Atleti in that what are you going to get? So for me to suggest we know what we're going to get this season, I have absolutely no idea. And when they go to Hitafi on Monday, when I commentate on that, I've obviously got all my notes from, from that game in, in February, but it's going to be different. It's going to be different because Luis Suarez has gone. Shimi Versalco has been released. Hector Herrera is now with Houston in Major League Soccer. The fringe player, the boss's son, Giuliano Simeone, he's gone on loan to Zaragoza. They've brought in players like Santiago Arias from Granada, who's back from a loan spell. They spent a lot of money to get Nahuel Molina from Udinese, 10 million. And they've got Samuel Lino from Gil Vicente in Portugal. Axel Witzel's arrived on a free transfer from Borussia Dortmund. The one I want to kind of talk about with you, Kyle, is Alvaro Morata. Now, he's had a good preseason with Atleti. And when you think of, of Morata, when he first joined them on loan, he, he did really well. And then when he signed permanently, they kind of loaned him out to Juventus, who want him back on loan. But Atleti supposedly are saying, no, you can have him, but you've got to pay. We want our money back. And we want him. If you want to get him, you can sign him on a permanent deal. We're not interested in another loan signing. So if he's still an Atleti player, when the transfer window closes. I think that's a benefit for Atleti because towards the end of the season, Joel Felix was hurt, missed a number of games. He, he practically missed the last 10, 12 games of the season, even though he returned to training. They didn't want to risk him. Before that, I think he was player of the month in March and he was absolutely outstanding. But Diego Simeone didn't know who his best partner was in attack. He tried him with Luis Suarez. He tried him with Antoine Griezmann. Now, Griezmann for me is... is He's mercurial, he can be wonderful, but he's only scored three goals in La Liga last season. The last time was the end of November. He doesn't look like the, the Antoine Griezmann that we remember when he was at the top of his form. So maybe it's Morata up front with Joao Felix playing in and around him. Defensively, they might be a little bit stronger. Certainly hope that they've they've kind of well, from a commentating perspective, I don't I hope they're all over the place at the back like everybody else, because <laughs> nil-nils aren't as fun to commentate on as, as right. three threes. However, with, with Atleti, I think they'll be stronger this season. And I would like to see Morata up front alongside Joao Felix. And do you know what, Kyle? I would also love to see Griezmann hit the ground running. Because just because he only scored three goals last season, if he can get off and running early doors, get a goal, he's a wonderful player. He's a talented player, but he's lacking confidence right now. He just needs a goal. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How much of the onus do you think is on Joao Felix? He's still like a, a joy to watch. He's a lot of fun just as a player. But when Atletico brought him over, I think they brought him over with the intention that he would become one of the world's best. You know, he, he was catered to by... By pretty much every club, I think, had a, some kind of rumor with him. Do you think this is a, a potential to be like a major season for his his breakout? I think you look at Vinicius last year for Real Madrid. That was his kind of breakout season. And now he had you know a, a Champions League winning campaign with Real Madrid. Do you? I don't want to put that kind of pressure on uh, Vin- or, uh, Joao Felix to win the Champions League with Let- Atletico Madrid. But do you see this as a potential season for him to really you know fill those shoes and become? Uh, a real like world-class talent for Atletico? I think we already saw his breakout last season. I think the first season was was very difficult. He only got six goals, having cost a lot of money from Benfica. Uh, he, his goals have certainly improved as the years have, have gone on. He's, he's kind of going into his, his fourth full season now. But he missed a whole chunk of last season due to injury. And that was when he was in his best form. When he got hurt, he was, as I mentioned, he was player of the month. He'd just been awarded that. I think he got hurt in the very next game. And he was brilliant to watch. And I think with someone having a price tag that, that he had, and, and he cost an absolute fortune um, from Benfica, about 125 million euros, so probably around the same in, in dollars. And he was he was just a kid at the time. And, and we forget his age at times. He's He doesn't turn 23 until... The, the I think it's middle of November or something like that, but he now looks like he can carry the can. He can carry the weight of expectation on his shoulders. If that had been his sophomore season last year, then I think we could look for him to to really bounce on. But he's had a good preseason. Atleti as a whole have had a good preseason as well, and he's one of the stars that I'm really looking forward to. And I, I think Atleti are now seeing the player that they thought they were getting when they originally bought him from Benfica. It's just taken a little bit of time with him. You talk about uh, Atletico's preseason. You talk about uh, Alvaro Morata. I think it's funny that his kind of connection with Juventus bagging all those goals against him in the preseason. But let's uh, step away from those those top three. I talk about how everyone, you know, refers to them as pretty much La Liga's best three sides. But in many ways, you know, I think Sevilla has been arguably one of the, you could put him in the top four, if you will. But it's a, a season of change. I think the loss of Jules Kunde for them will be a pretty significant one. How do you kind of see Sevilla shaping up? The last season they finished fourth in La Liga, so they'll be back in the Champions League this year, and you know it's a place that they've found some success. Obviously, the Europa League dominators over the last decade or so. But for Sevilla in La Liga, they go up against Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, and they kind of take a back seat to them. But what kind of outlook do you have for Sevilla this season, despite the loss of Koundé to Barcelona? What are they going to do at centre back? Without the two guys that were the rock that they built their whole team on, Diego Carlos and Joel Koundé, well, they've signed Marcao, um, centre-half from Galatasaray, an imposing Brazilian. 
So we wait to see how how that goes. Martial is no loss. He was a waste of time, basically, um, on loan from Manchester United, which is frustrating because they brought him in. I mean, he really, he just, he, he annoys people, Martial, because he know what talent he's got. It's when you see it and you do, on a rare occurrence, see the talent of Martial. Sevilla fans hardly saw that. I know he got hurt early on in his Sevilla career, but then when he, even when he came back, he was... He was just an empty jersey, sadly. They haven't made too many new signings. Apart from Marcal, there's been a lot of speculation, but we've been waiting to see if they're going to spend the money um, from, from Jules Koundé and the $26 million from Diego Carlos. Well, we're getting to the stage of the season. This is the, the week building up to the first game. It's not ideal when you bring someone in that late, uh, especially if you've got a technique and a, a tactical kind of game plan that they're not used to, but... I think we'll see Sevilla adding to the squad before the transfer window closes. I think we'll, you'll see maybe another centre-back purchased. I like watching them. Uh, I think at home, uh, they, you've got to make that a fortress, um, the sanchez one, And I think they'll do all right. They're, they're a team that, I remember the games late in the season, Sevilla-Real Madrid, that, that Real Madrid got the win, but there was all sorts of contention with VAR and and various other things, and penalties not awarded. Um, they, If they can be tough to beat at home, on the road, that they're, they're a good side, and they can trouble anybody. Remember, for a long period of last season, we thought, okay, Sevilla, the main contenders for, for Real Madrid, and they were, were they really that kind of close to them, even though they were pretty close points-wise and at times ahead of them? It's just the, finding the consistency for, for Lopetegui. And they, they're the side that they're probably going to be best of the rest. I, I would be surprised if the top four, whichever order, isn't Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and, and Sevilla. But you always get one surprise, don't you? And who knows? Maybe Sevilla will, will, will split Real Madrid and Barca. I don't know. I just They need more consistency over the season. And if they can, then who knows? You're looking at those teams from outside the top four. One team that really jumped out at me last season, not necessarily because of their league play, but obviously the run to the Champions League semifinals was uh, Villarreal. In the league, I think it's funny. They finished, I could be wrong here, but I think they finished like 10th or 11th. And in the sem- in the Champions League, they're reaching the semifinals and pr- really pushing Liverpool to the brink. I think they needed a, a strong second half from Liverpool in that second leg just to get to the final. But Villarreal already talked about it. They struggled in the league. And it's the same thing as something like Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga going to win on the Europa League. And in the league, they finished 11th or 12th. Why do you think Villarreal struggled domestically so much but had little pockets of success in the Champions League reaching the semifinals of the club, the most prestigious club competition in the world? I think it can be summed up by the fact they they did actually finish 7th, but they were kind of 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th at a spell when they were trying to compete in the Champions League as well. So it's very difficult for a side like Villarreal. They've got a wonderful coach in, in Unai Emery, but they've only got a squad of players. That if, if their key players are hurt, they're, they're in trouble. It was no surprise that after they got knocked out of the Champions League that having been able to focus on La Liga, that their, their kind of form picked up a little bit. Now, I know they won on the last day of the season at Barcelona by two goals to nil. The title had already been um, decided, but 
they they were going on a, a kind of horrible run prior to that. They won five one at Vallecano, but they were losing at home to teams that they should be beating. Um, I did their game against Valencia, nineteenth of of April. They won by two goals to nil. It was a game that none of them wanted to play. I mean, they both had kind of European action to play the following weekend, and they just, I mean, Villarreal won it by two goals to nil. But their focus was elsewhere. And then that was one of the reasons why when they were going through the Champions League and having that wonderful run, they were losing to teams that they, they shouldn't have been losing to. They lost to Osasuna, they lost to Cadiz, they lost to Levante. So I, having finished seventh and managed to sneak into to seventh, um, albeit they had that wrapped up by the final game of the season, they're now got European football again. So it's going to be intriguing to see how they learn from that and what Unai Emery can maybe do. Um, this season, they've signed Pepe Reina on a free from Lazio, Jose Luis Morales from Levante on a free, and Alex Baena has returned on loan from, from Girona. Um, the players out, again, it's a, it's a mix of, of kind of players that were either fringe players, didn't really feature or didn't do too much. Um, they let Serge Orio go, end of his contract, and Ruben Peña, Ivan Marin, Others, Asenio has has gone to Valladolid. So I, I think it's going to be pretty similar from, from Villarreal. And then another team, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's Villarreal and, and kind of maybe Valencia battling it out for maybe a European spot and Villarreal maybe going one further. But a lot depends on the strength of the squad they have, steering clear of injuries and trying to make sure that they can compete both domestically and in European competition uh, not focus on one over the other because uh, that was to their detriment last season and it's totally understandable because a Champions League semi-finalist, how do you improve on that? Well, it's going to be very difficult. Now, Mark, let's jump uh, to the other end of the table. I think the relegation battle in Spain is something that maybe doesn't get as much coverage, clearly not as much coverage as it does uh, the Premier League or the Bundesliga, for example, but what can you tell fans that maybe don't follow the, the Spanish League as much about the potential relegation battle? What teams do you think might be down there? I don't want you to necessarily pick a three teams to go down, but what teams do you think might go down there? And really, what teams do you think might have disappointing seasons and might find themselves in the bottom half of the table like... Uh, for much of the season, Villarreal did until they really found their footing in the league. Yeah, they did. Cadiz um, somehow survived. Good on them. There were teams that were kind of struggling and then put a, a run together. Mallorca, near the end of the season, um, saved by one point. But that's enough. That's enough in, in, in Spain. Saved by goal difference from the head-to-head. That's enough in Spain. Um, Granada, disappointing for them. They went down. Alaves weren't very good. Levante going down as well. So, Cadiz and Mallorca from the sides that were in La Liga, La Primera last season. Hitafe, you've got to remember them as well. They they kind of they, they drew far too many games and got dragged into it, but their goal difference was was pretty good. They didn't concede that many. So that's kind of part of the reason why they were okay. But there's three teams, the three that narrowly avoided relegation, Hitafe, Mallorca, and Cadiz. I think they'll probably be battling to avoid the drop. Now the Segunda title race was incredible last season. I was lucky enough to do all the games in the playoff and also the, the final weekend of the season. And for long spells of the season, A-bar were top. And then in the last minute of the game that they played at Alcorcón, who were bottom and already relegated, they conceded. And they went from top to third. They went into the promotion playoffs. Almeria ended up top via the lead. 
came second. So those two went up. Abar lost to Girona, Stuani's boys. Now, that was a surprise. That was a big surprise. But it meant the team that were probably the best team in, in the Segunda for long spells last season didn't get up. So looking back at the history of that playoff, I think it's now four years in a row we've seen the teams that finished fifth against sixth in the Segunda playoffs in the regular season competing um, for a place in, in the top flight. And that's exactly what happened again with Girona and Tenerife. Girona, I think, will do all right. I think they'll be, uh, I think they they might survive. I'm looking forward to to seeing them. Um, it's a side that hasn't got too much experience in the top flight, but I think they'll be they'll be fine. Almeria and Valladolid, we don't know. And I think they'll be battling. If, if you offered them one goal or one point above the third bottom team, they would they would take it um this season. So yeah, those would be my 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 kind of six or five. I'm taking Girona out of the equation, even although they, they finished a distant sixth to Almeria and Valladolid. I think they might be okay. Um, they've just got something about them. I think Almeria and Valladolid, and I think Carith, Mallorca and, and Hetafe, and maybe Elche will get dragged into it as well. So plenty to uh, to kind of look for at that end of the table too. Mark, ESPN Plus has the coverage of <clears throat> each game in La Liga. And you already mentioned that in this opening weekend, you'll be doing the uh, Monday game between Atletico and Hetafe. I'm curious, are you doing uh, any other games this weekend or is it just that one for you? Yeah, I've got a busy spell coming up. Um, I'm doing Premier League reports for ESPN FC Saturday, Sunday. Then I've got Hitafe against Atletic Madrid on Monday. A couple of games in round two. I've got Sevilla against Valladolid on the Friday and Atletico Madrid against Villarreal on the Sunday. And then in game week three, I've got a good one. I think it's a really good one. Valencia against Atletico Madrid. So we kind of know the next month or so, I would say the next three weeks, we, we kind of know our schedule um, looking ahead to that. So I've got all Atleti games in, in the first three weeks. I had a lot of Atleti last season. I'm looking forward to either being entertained or being, okay, that's Diego Simeone back to normal with a 1-0 win. That's them shut up shop. But it's just, it's it's the consistently inconsistent Atleti, which makes them fun to watch, Joao Felix and and others. So yeah, looking forward to the start of the season, every game live on on ESPN Plus, and it's it's great being part of uh, of a small but very talented team and hardworking, especially the guys and girls behind the scenes that work so hard to uh, to make sure that hopefully our broadcasts are as clean as they can be. Now, Mark, I want to wrap up with this one last quick hitter: Who wins the league, or I should say, which team wins the league, and who finishes as uh, the top scorer in this season's uh, La Liga? Real Madrid and Lewandowski. Real Madrid and Lewandowski, perfect. Mark, I want to thank you again. Uh, like you already mentioned, all La Liga games are airing live on ESPN Plus throughout the season. And that starts this weekend, and you can listen to Mark uh, in his call of Atletico Madrid against Atafe on a Monday afternoon. So, Mark, looking forward to watching and listening to you then. I want to thank you again for doing this, and have a great one. Thank you, Carl. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.